All right, welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. And today we are going to talk to Donnie Manns, Muskie Mayhem Tackle Pro Staffer. And I think we're going to talk, I don't know, just a couple general topics. Donnie's hanging out with Brad because Donnie did some fishing. So maybe we can get a report on how fishing's been. And I think we also want to do a little bit of talk about netting some muskies, right, Brad? I know we're, this is going to get maybe a little novice for some guys, but for most of our listeners or many of our listeners, maybe they could use a few tips to help put a couple fish actually in the net, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the neat thing is that uh, Donnie and I have been doing some filming over the summer, and uh, we're going to produce a video sometime this winter, and it's going to be uh, net man's because Donnie man. So that's kind of what we're thinking. We just figured, you know what, we should uh, maybe share some of this stuff before we actually come out with the video. At least one of us is getting out and shooting some videos because it's definitely not me, Brad. Yeah, well, you kind of had your hands full over this past summer, so we'll we'll uh, give you a little break. How long do I get that break for? <laughs> like in, infinitely, or is this uh, you're expecting for, things out of me eventually? I am expecting some things out of you. I've even invited you up here, but uh, it's like pulling teeth to try to get you to come over. Yeah, I know. Well, with the struggles we've gone through, I've been spending a little extra time with the kids and the family and you know, trying to take care of my mom and all that stuff. So it's been uh, it's been a bit of a challenge, but we'll work our way through it. We're already working our way through it, and the you know, kids are liking it. They're, they're in the water swimming every single weekend. So, heck, I don't even think I've gotten the boat out since, I don't know, when was that, three weeks ago I caught a muskie bread? I think that's the last time I was doing it. Yeah, somewhere around there, Jeff. But, well, it sounds like you're still enjoying the water. Yeah, it, it it's it's nice. A little different way to enjoy it, but it's it's nice. But that's not why guys came here to listen to this podcast. Or ladies, I always say guys. That's just not very right of me. That's not very PC. I should say gals too, because we sell a lot of fishing lures to gals, and it's good to see them on the water as well. And you know, like I know my daughter likes to get on the water and chase muskies, and so does yours, Brad. So I apologize for saying guys, but um, in this instance, you know that's why people came here. They didn't come here to. You know, learn about me swimming this summer. They came here to learn about how to catch muskies. So let's give them what they look for. That sounds like a plan. But, Brad, before we do that, we got to pay the bills and talk about our lack of sponsors, right? So if you're looking for gear for your next musky fishing adventure, you're going to want to check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com or your source for gear. I used to say custom gear all the time because that's kind of what we did. And we still do lots of it. I mean, we get new gear every every day. It seems like I get new pictures and new colors or whatever every single time, or every single week. So if you haven't been on our website, do it. Check it out. It changes frequently. Sometimes you know, adding, changing colors, products, whatever. We have it all. If you're looking for anything, basically for the most part, big manufacturers, small manufacturers, we have it. And we're going to talk a little bit about musky mayhem tackle. So take it away, Brad. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. First of all, I'd like to thank all of our customers out there. Uh, we appreciate the loyalty and support. You can check us out at muskymayhemtackle.com, as well as our YouTube channel, Facebook, and Instagram. We're the original uh, big-bladed flash of boo baits, and we're very proud of being that manufactured. And, Brad, you got a YouTube, Facebook, Instagram? Me personally? <laughs> <laughs> I know you personally are not on Facebook, that's for sure. I, I've never, ever done Facebook, Jeff, but yes, you know, guys can come out and check me out on uh, my Instagram channel, uh, whatever you call it, Instagram page. page. <laughs> I wanted to say channel. Um, 
but yeah, I haven't posted anything as of late, but uh, I usually do that in the winter when I'm uh, a little bit more freed up. All right, and Donnie, what's the report from the water tonight? Well, seeing we're doing this podcast, my afternoon was cut a little short. I was out there for less than three hours, but uh, managed to get one in the bag, so that was that was cool out solo. So I ate a detonator, I guess. Not a huge surprise there, maybe for some, but bucktails definitely work. Chowed it way out, so that was fun. That's awesome. And Donnie, let, let's just do a little a little promo for the detonator. Uh, what's what's your take on that bait for this year? Because I've I've thrown it. I haven't uh, thrown it long enough to catch a muskie on it because I haven't played muskies that much this year. But uh, for for guys that are newer to the muskie world, you know what what do you think that thing pulls like? How bad is it? I it doesn't pull crazy hard at all. It's I would say it's even less than a supermodel or a big bird uh, just because of the big blades, but they're offset, so it it's not hard to reel. But the amount of noise that it puts out, it's just insane you can you can feel it through your rod when you're reeling it in and it just vibrates and thumps and it's awesome and they love it i know brad has said it before on past podcasts if people are afraid to throw big blades this one because of the pull this one's not actually that bad i had another friend of mine he uh he he bought one at my recommendation and uh, he said the same thing he's like i don't think it pulls that bad at all and so if you're looking for a big bladed big profile check out the detonator you can get them at Musky Mayhem Tackle. They have them. Otherwise, we have a pile of colors. In fact, I just got a new color today, and uh, it'll be on the website, hopefully by the end of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the things, too, uh, last year, Donnie's son, Corbin, he came out with a, a color, and we actually took it out and started fishing it, and we just crushed the fish on it. And that's the Corbin's Tiger. That's one of your customs as well at Team Rhino Outdoors. So that's kind of a cool deal, too. Yeah, I heard he wanted to know how many we sold the other day. I think he's looking to get a cut. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, he's looking for royalty checks. So absolutely, <laughs> kids got to pay for college somehow, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, on to tonight's topic, Brad. Why don't you kind of talk about? I mean, since you guys have been shooting the film and the video and everything, why don't you kind of you know go down and lay that out for us a little bit? Well, one of the things that we've been working on is, you know, we've jokingly said this for about two years here about Donnie and how quick he is with a net. So, you know, we started gathering all this footage and I'm, I'm like, man, you know, we should do something here because you don't ever really hear about the net man, right? Well, with Donnie's last name being Mans, we're going to put out something called Net Mans. And uh, along with that, I started thinking about different things that uh, come along with being a net man and hence the reason that uh, we're going to talk about netting fish today you only hear about the net man when he screwed up that's the only time he comes up if somebody screwed something up there you go you can hear about him yeah it's kind of like the kicker in football you know they miss the field goal or they miss the extra point and we end up losing the game you know that that's kind of the net man's dirty job right Yep, not much not much glory can pretty much only go downhill. Exactly. But, you know, I, I kind of put together just a brief little list of different things that we could talk about. And, you know, nets are one of those deals where people have their own preferences, right? I mean, I, and I kind of listed out, and I'm sure I'm missing some, but, you know, the new RS net, 
the old faithful frables that have been around forever. And then you have the drifter nets and the clam nets. What am I missing out there, Joe? I think that pretty much covers it up. I don't really, I've had familiar, I have experience with the frable. I liked it. I mean, it was fine. I thought the, uh, I'm trying to think how big the biggest one is. The big kahuna, definitely not a uh, solo net man type net in my opinion. And then uh, I have experience with the drifter, the drifter XL, great net. Can't say anything bad about it. And then I also have played with the solo slimer from RS Nets this year. And again, you know, great net. I like it a lot. I I have the one inch netting. I know the two inch netting is a little bit lighter. And so maybe for solo guys, although the, the, the one inch is fine for me as well. So I have experience with the three of them. Quite honestly, I think if you go with any of the three, you you're going to get yourself a quality net. I can't say anything about the clam. It might be awesome. I don't have any experience with it. So just off my own personal experience, those are your options. If you're looking for a drifter or an RS shameless plug, go check out our website and get them there, but continue on Brad. Do you have any, do you have any experience with the clam or Donnie? Have you played with the clam one yet? I have not, not no clams about the only one that I haven't had any experience with. You know, the one that I was just thinking of, too, is a Beckman. I left that one off the list. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are they even, like, what's the what's the availability on one of those these days anyways? I, I honestly, I couldn't even tell you. I, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, th- I think I had heard that they were, obviously, they were in business, and then I thought I heard they were out of business, and then I had third that somebody bought them out and maybe re- bringing them back out or whatever. I don't. Pers- I, I've always heard decent things about them when they were readily available. I just don't know where you find one or if they're even available anymore. Yeah, I, I can't answer that. Donnie, you know? I have no idea how available they are. Uh, from what I remember, the net was a really good, strong net, but the bag kind of wasn't so great. So I'll get tangled up in hooks and stuff like that. But. Well, that's one thing I can say. I had a Joe Booker Conservation Series net from Frable. Really nice net as far as going through the water. Solo person, you can net real well. The the bag just was such a problem. The fish get in there and they just wrap that thing up so tight, seems like. And so that's the only thing I didn't like about that one. So if you're looking for a really super light solo fishing net, that would be one to look at. But hopefully you don't have as bad of luck with the bet. You know, with them wrapping up in that bag. It's just you know all that is Brad and Donnie. You guys have done it long enough. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the issues. Um, the second issue is if you have a hook penetrate that bag, you know, that can always be an issue. One, one of the things, too, that I, I run a, a big kahuna, even when I'm solo fishing the fish I caught tonight, I netted with a big kahuna, no problem. It, um, you know, it's it's more about, especially solo, you got to bring that fish to the bag. You're, you know, when you're reeling up, you, you know, you go to net it at the, at the right time and and you can, you know, more or less let go of your rod as the fish is going in the bag and then scoop it. And not having a net that would get so tangled up and so wrapped up, you know, where you're by yourself that, you know, takes a lot of time to do all that. And it makes it harder to do all that versus, you know, maybe the extra time, extra run the fish has to make to whatever, get in the bag or I don't know. I'm not a huge guy or super strong or anything and I can handle a big kahuna pretty well, so. Oh, Brad, I was going to say, he's a strapping young kid. That's how he can handle that big kahuna so easily. I think a lot of people are just scared of it. They think that, I don't know, because everybody says you can't fish solo with a big kahuna, you can't. And that's just not 
super true in my opinion. So I know one thing I saw in Brad's notes was a uh, jig ripper handle. Does anybody use one of those for them? I know people do, but do any of us three? Because I know I personally don't and have thought about trying it a few times. I've never honestly put it on my net handle, but uh, I do know that I've heard from a lot of people suffer from carpal tunnel or shoulder problems. They they truly enjoy having that on their bag because they, they feel like it gives them more control. Yeah, none of them I've ever used before have I felt like I needed it, but maybe if I try one and I like it, maybe, I, maybe I'm missing out. I don't know. I'm, like I said, I've never done it. Donnie, you got any input on that? I've used, I guess it was kind of more about like a pistol grip type deal that was put on a net. And I think that was on a big kahuna too. And it was, I don't know, I could, I never tried it solo. It wasn't mine or whatever. So I could see where solo, maybe that would work. You could have the butt of the net under, you know, your armpit and then actually have a handle to hang on to, but just to more or less stabilize it, I think would be the biggest thing with having that. So the net can't roll back and forth. I know Donnie is a, a big kahuna guy. I am as well. I've been using that net for, man, 15, 16 years, ever since it came out. So I, I truly like it. And the reason I like it is it's got a huge bag, um, a huge hoop, and it just provides a big, giant area for that fish to be in. And one of the things that I truly like about the Prables is the, the coating on the bag itself. So... I feel like they're a tough net, and I mean, I've gotten 10, 12 years out of a bag before I ended up having to replace it. Sometimes they go to the bottom of the lake, too. That's not always good, but... Uh, I uh, I fill the handle of mine with foam, so that'll never be a problem. Just spray foam, take the end cap off, and fill it solid. That's a good idea, actually. Fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you Have know, you tested it? Oh, yeah. yeah. You cool. know... Brad and Donnie, the one good thing about musky anglers today is we're all spoiled based on the gear that we have versus what, you know, call them our forefathers, you know, have had before. Guys like Dick Pearson, and he'll tell you stories of some of the gear. And when we had um, Russ Smith on, when he was when he was on, he was talking about it too, some of the stuff that they had to deal with early on in the musky game. And we're all spoiled compared to what they had to deal with then. All the nets, I mean, for the most part, if you find a net out there, it's going to probably be a good enough to get your job done regardless of which option you choose yeah absolutely i I wouldn't disagree with that jeff you know and and one of the next bullet points that i had written down is a cradle versus that and i don't know if donnie's ever used a cradle maybe you have jeff i'm not sure but you know when i first started doing this that was the ticket everybody wanted a cradle and uh (laughs) that kind of presents a whole different level of uh netting skills yeah quite honestly i've never used one but I would guess I would welcome it, trying it a couple times to see. You probably have an idea how it went down. How how bad was it? Uh, it can be pretty ugly at times. You know, if you had the right guy running the cradle and you actually, as a fisherman, directed the fish into it, it wasn't horrible. And once that fish is in there, you would just pull the two boards together so that that fish was pretty much trapped. It became... Uh, a little bit interesting as you were trying to unhook the fish sometimes. I do have one story from uh, a fly-in trip that Carrie and I took, I don't know, 20, 21 years ago. We went to a fly-in lake in Canada, and they said, oh, you, you guys don't need your nets. We got cradles in the camp. And I'm like, all right, cool. I've used a cradle. It's no big deal. Well, we went in there, and basically what it was is two pieces of lath board with orange snow fence, plastic orange snow fence, 
and you want to talk about a wreck that was uh that was pretty interesting when we were trying to put fish in that bag or in that snow fence if you will you got a big bright piece of orange snow fence coming out of fish and they didn't really like it too much i can imagine they don't particularly like a, a net as it is you know even regardless of what color it is that's yeah, pretty bizarre it was fun though all right, so let me ask you a question about that. When you unhooked a fish in the cradle, obviously you'd have you probably had have two guys. I'm assuming one guy is kind of holding the cradle, the other guy is kind of working on the fish. Is that how that went down? Uh, to a certain degree, yeah. But I mean, it's one of them things where you kind of have to control the one end on the head side of the fish. You know, where where you were holding the two pieces of board, try to open it up and then get your players in there. I mean, thankfully, we have the nets that we have today because it definitely makes the job way easier. Right. Every time I think of netting, I think of one of the early Musky Hunter magazines that I read. It was at somebody's cabin. I went there. They had one of the first episode or uh, issues of Musky Hunter magazine. It talks about how to properly club a muskie. <laughs> so whenever I think of cradles, I kind of think of that. Like old school, you know, like that would have been something going on then. Yeah, the, the twenty two revolver would pipe if you will yeah well that must that must have uh that that must have been passed you know gone that must be gone already by the time musky hunter magazine came out in 1989 or whatever and like i said there's an article in there how to properly club the musky <laughs> it was just uh how far we've come you know we're like it's weird because us musky anglers we argue about such dumb stuff these days whereas like all all of us are still looking for the I guess the safest option to the fish, you know, I mean, if you look at where we've come from years ago to like literally clubbing muskies and shooting them to now we argue because we don't want to fish in 80 degree weather, it's, or water temps, it's just amazing how much more improved things are. I think sometimes we need to look at that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that the sport has totally elevated, that's for sure. All right. Slightly off topic from our netting discussion, but when you brought up a cradle, it, it felt like it dated you a little bit or dated. Yeah. Dated you a little bit. You see where a cradle guy, I'm, I probably got in just as cradles were on their way out. Uh, that's pretty funny, but I am old, I guess. So I, uh, I think where we need to go with this, I mean, honestly, I'm going to open the door to Donnie. And one of the key factors that I think makes Donnie a really, really good net man is primarily his speed and his reaction to exactly when somebody has a fish on, he's got a full cast out. His speed is what elevates the the performance, in my opinion. I'm going to let Donnie kind of take it from there, kind of share exactly what he does when he uh, sees somebody hook up. I guess speed's always been important to me. Well, I guess no one really told me that that was important, but me and my brother fishing together, and it's like, well, you fight a fish, try to you know let that fish kick your butt, and and take you around the boat or, or whatever. And, and you, you know, think around it's, it's going to keep head shaking and eventually throw that bait. So I don't know. I don't know how many muskies that I've netted in, you know, less than six seconds that if it would have been eight seconds, I mean, that fish was gone. No, no question. I always, always have the net handle extended the bag, depending if I'm fishing solo I'll have it underneath the hoop so that I don't have to try to unflip it because I have to you know, pick up the net one-handed. But if I'm uh, you know, fishing with someone, I have the bag flipped over the top. So I can just pick the net up, give it a flip, and the bag comes out. I don't hold on to the bag because 
you want that bag open going in the water, you know, and you don't net the fish until you're ready to net the fish. And with the, you know, movement of the net going forward and, you know, as you scoop it, that bag is fully extended, fully wide and have their head go in six inches below the rim in the back of the net and scoop up and that's it. It's that easy. It's funny how guys are the, uh, don't hold net or hold net type of, uh, thing. It's like, uh, I don't know what to, I'm trying to think of a analogy that we'd have that with, but whatever Ford Chevy conversation, clearly you don't, I get yelled at if I fish with Jensen and I don't hold the net cause he's afraid it's going to get hung up on something. So Brad, what are you, are you a hold the net or no hold net? It depends on the scenario, but you know, before the fish is getting to the boat, I always drop the bag. Um, I might hold on to it just to get there. So you know, I guide out of the rear of the boat. So if I'm in the back of the boat, I'll grab the bag and I'll have the the net handle in my right hand and I'll have the left hand in front forward and I'll be holding the bag. But as soon as I believe that that fish is coming to the boat, I drop the bag into the water. Primarily, I'm just trying to keep it free of getting hooked on something until I'm ready. So can you get a fish in the net in six seconds like Donnie can? Uh, 20 years ago, yes. Well, we nice. had some less than four already this year, so. Nice. It's impressive. That's, that's from Hookset. We like them green. Apparently. Well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's another thing I guess we could talk about is green fish. You know, there's there's a lot of people that'll, that'll you know, yell at you or, or look down on you for netting a fish green. Well, what, you know, to what extent are you fighting that fish more you know is causing more damage to it versus if it was just in the net relaxing and i think that's a no-brainer to me that the sooner you get that fish in the bag and it can stop fighting and start relaxing and recovering the better and if you do that in you know six to ten seconds versus 30 seconds you're i mean minutes ahead on release time it's very very few few times that a fish you know that goes in the bag and is unhooked fast and is released fast that they, you know, take 30 seconds to release even it's, you know, 10 seconds most of the time. Well, I would say, I mean, re- seriously, if we talk about it, what's the disadvantage to netting a fish green? Like when it gets in the net, it's going to potentially thrash a little bit more. Maybe it's going to do some damage to you potentially. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's a much disadvantage to it. Like you said, the longer you fight it out, Especially with you know in the in the summertime, the worst chance there is for release, I would assume, right? Yeah, I, w- I would say a hundred percent. Oh, no question. And that's and that's one thing too. Like you know, when you net a fish that's call it green or or whatever, fast, they're they're going to be thrashing around in the net. But then at the same time, if you have a net that has a good bag that's not going to get hooks wrapped in it, that's not something you have to worry about. And that thrashing happens just I mean, for a few seconds, and then they calm down and they're even with the hooks in their mouth still they're you know recuperating and and yeah they're you know they have some fight in them so when you go to grab them you have you know have to be ready they're not they're not dead they're fully alive so they're gonna flop and you know you just just gotta hang on to them stand your ground and and you know if you need to cut hooks cut hooks and get the bait out and set them back in the bag and you know have your bump board ready and Take them out, bump them if you need to, take a picture and let them go. Yeah, I think that's where, you know, the next part of this, I mean, you're basically using that net as a live well. I would agree with everything Donnie just said. And I think 
you know, that net is your big giant live well. And that fish can be recouping, like you said, even with the bait in its mouth. I think that's a great point. Um, when they mellow out in that bag, they're basically just sitting there, breathing, kind of slowing down the whole uh, blood pressure, if you will. And you unpin it. And guess what? They might flop around a little bit more, but they're able to just kind of zone out and relax a little bit. All right. Well, I got a couple things for you, Donnie. One, you told me you're fishing solo today. You put one in the bag. So what's your setup? I, we get guys that ask us questions on solo fishing. What's what's the status with the net when you're you know when you're solo fishing? I'm assuming potentially this is, thing is more stowed away slightly. If you're although if you're getting fish in the bag in four seconds, it can't be that stowed away. Why don't you actually talk about it both ways? If you have somebody in the in the boat, what's your net doing? Where is it? Is it open, closed, stowed? What's the story? And same thing, solo fishing. Sure. So typically when there's someone, I fish out of the back of my boat and there's someone in the front of my boat, I have the net with the hoop flipped over the rim, uh, pretty much right behind that person. Um, they're, um, they have the whole front deck to themselves and they're, you know, casting off the left side of the boat and the net's on the right side with the handle extended. And I've got to move, you know, maybe six feet to be touching that handle and where I can, you know, just flip it up basically right over the top of their head and, you know, net the fish right, you know, right there. So when I'm solo, I pretty much same thing, except I have the net on the left side of the boat, fully extended where that person would be standing. I still, I still net the fish pretty much from the same spot in the boat, whether I'm solo or with someone grant, if that person can bring the fish to the bag, I know that was a, point on here that we have to talk about too but that's generally what i have or net placement in the boat and when you're solo fishing how fast you getting that fish in the net i don't know what i didn't have any cameras rolling when i uh, caught that fish tonight but i would say it's i mean anywhere from 10 to it can be bad it can be 30 40 seconds i mean even a minute with a big one for sure solo there's just some you know some things that you can't do with one hand yeah, absolutely. I'm not judging. I'm just curious. That's all. You know, it's just a ed- educational for people and, you know, kind of what uh, what everybody does. Or just Like I said, this is more, I would say, more of a novice conversation. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, you know, it doesn't matter what we talk about in muskies. I think there's something for somebody to learn. You know, I don't care if you've been in it 30 years. You're probably going to pick up something from this. So to say it's only a novice, I, I don't know. That's That's a tricky one. But One of the things that I was going to say, too, is that you can use the gunnel of the boat. You know, if you're solo fishing, you put that bag in the water and you use the the gunnel of your boat to almost as a, what's the best way to explain it? Almost like a teeter-totter or a lever, if you will. So you can actually Yeah, almost like a pivot pivot point. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. I guess I didn't even realize that, but that's what I do is you just as you're going to net that fish, just slide the, as the net hits the water, the handle hits the side of the boat and, you know, lifting up all in, all in one motion, almost prying up. Yeah, it's definitely a, a thing you just, it's a, an art almost to net solo, I think. That's what we're about is the arts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you seem like a very artsy type person, Brad. <laughs> uh, maybe graffiti. How's that sound? You're pretty handy with a spray can, are you, Brad? Uh, something like that jeff that's one thing i guess i haven't tried (laughs) 
netting fish, I mean, it's like anything in the musky world. It, a lot of it comes with experience too, but being able to try, you know, try different things or try to, you know, pay attention a little bit more or, or try to, you know, net a little bit faster or think back to, you know, a fish that if you would have, would have been there. One thing, uh, that I think is really important with a uh, muskie is say you hook it 50 feet away from the boat, that fish more than likely is going to come to the surface, you know, in, in the first 10, 20 feet of the fight. And you're going to have an opportunity if the person casting, you know, is, is constantly reeling and bringing that fish to the boat where they almost don't even know that they're hooked and they will come right up to the boat. And, a lot of times that fish is head shaking next to the boat when other guys fumbling with the net and trying to get it out. And then the fish goes for its first run. And a lot of time that for a lot of times that first runs, you know, where they'll, where they'll shake the hooks. But if you can get them in that first time up to the boat, that's super important. Yeah, and that's where the speed comes in. And I, I do agree with that as well. You know, your your fishing partner, it's a two-man job, really. I mean, if you think about it. Absolutely. The faster your partner, your boat partner can be there with the bag, the more successful you're going to be at, at getting pictures with that fish, put it that way. You know, it's not always on the net man either. I mean, we were talking about the, uh, the kicker, you know, getting a field goal or an extra point. Honestly, there's more to it than that, and and what I'm talking about there is the guy that has the fish on has to cooperate with that net man. I'll let Donnie kind of take it from there. Yeah, I guess I always when I'm netting a fish, if if I you know don't know the person very well or or whatever, I I tell them exactly what I want them to do. If the for the most part, uh, people that I fish with, they know to. Know, keep their rod down after they set the hook and especially if the you know fish is on the surface and try to keep them down and and otherwise i i tell them real 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 and i even tell i mean carrie when she hooked up a couple weeks ago it's like real 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 you know i'm I'm right here ready to go and keep coming keep going keep going keep going and and, he, and a lot of times you can see too the fish when it's coming in and read it and kind of see what it what it's trying to do if it's got it you know Sometimes they'll just put the brakes on and, and they, you know, don't want to come to the boat. They're just going to, it's almost like they, you know, put wings out and stop and just sit there and head shake. And you, you just have to try to power through them as, you know, as the person catching the fish and, and get them up to the boat. And if a fish starts to dive, I, you know, tell the person with the rod, you know, lift, lift hard and always, always have reels maxed out, no you know very little drag uh a, a 42 inch fish if it wants to peel drag it'll peel drag on a maxed out brand new tranks 500 i mean no problem so people that have their drag loosened up or or what i i don't agree with that and i think that uh a lot would have you know poor hook sets too come from that but yeah just getting that fish up and to the bag as fast as possible but that only works if you're there with the bag well, I totally agree with what Donnie just said there as well. I, I'm not one to run around in the boat. I stand my ground. I fight the fish. And what I mean by that is I'm driving that fish to the bag. And the reason I'm doing that is, you know, when you start getting fancy, say you're thumbing your spool, you're counting on your drag to work, blah, blah, blah. What ends up happening is, is you start flirting with 
having issues giving that fish slack. So my whole concept is, and that's again where speed comes into play when it comes to netting fish. The faster that net man's there, the faster I can drive that fish into the bag. And that's how I, I always fight fish. I, I think when you start backing off and you give that fish an inch, it's going to take a mile. And so it's really, really crucial, in my opinion, to stand on the fish and drive it into the bag. I can't, um, you know, it, it's really what it's truly about. So I want to back up a minute. I know Donnie talked about bump boards, and I don't know if that's a topic we want to get into here, but um, I'm assuming you're all right with the use of a bump board because I know sometimes it seems like that's that's taboo these days, even though I think it's plenty safe if used correctly, but some people don't think that way. Uh, Absolutely. Bump boards are, they're awesome. They're, they're uh, awesome in more ways than people think there. There's so much that you can learn from actually bumping a fish and taking a proper measurement. And I think we even talked about this in uh, another podcast I was on, but like a fish we caught uh, hootie. Yeah. And we caught it three years prior and we just didn't measure it because it was, uh, I think it was like a sub forties fish, 38 or something. And not a big deal. Just let it go. And we caught it three years later and, I think we also didn't measure it because then it was only a, you know about a 40 inch fish or somewhere in there and and it ended up being the same fish that would have been so cool to know how much bigger that fish grew and i don't know maybe we can you know take something away from that and same with measuring fish i mean that's you know length of muskies i think is the new weight i if you will i know all the old days everything was about weight and now I guess nobody wants to weigh, weigh all their muskies and, and take a picture so they can post on Facebook to certify how much it weighed. So we have bump boards and links and links for tournaments and stuff like that. So bump boards are super important, and I don't think they hurt the fish at all, especially if you do it right. You know, I, I can back some of this up with it went to Musky Mayhem Tackle's uh, YouTube channel somewhere on there. I have a video and I know I've spoke about it three, four times over the years on the podcast here, but, and I, I don't even remember exactly what the time frame is. I'd have to look it up, Jeff, but from the time that I lift the fish out of the bag, I measure it. I hold it back up for a couple photos and it's released. It's only out of the water, 18 seconds, if I remember right, 17, 18 seconds. If you're really conscious about what you're doing, that's all it should take. It really shouldn't be any longer than that. And I don't care who you are. I mean, if you put your camera on burst, take a whole pile of pictures and pick out the one that you like the most. It's not even necessary. I mean, it's seconds. We're talking about seconds here. It's owed to the fish, in my opinion. Well, I mean, the other thing you can do too, if you still want to use a bump board and you, you know, you're really super concerned about it. Most of these bump boards float. I know the musky bumper does throw it in the water, quick, take a measurement right there and, you know, you got plenty of water on the on the board that way, and, and you can, you know, literally just slide it right off the board when you're done there. So it's, I mean, it's even easier that way. There's definitely ways you can safely get measurements, in my opinion. I mean, it, far be it from me to tell somebody that they can't measure the 38-inch fish when that might be the biggest one that they have. I, I measured one this year. It was my daughter's. She got, you know, trolling a couple weeks back. I never measured one of her muskies before. I wanted to have a benchmark, so it's 36 and a half. I measured a 36 and a half. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm plenty fine with it. 
Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I mean, I, you're you're right. I mean, if you really want to get critical, you could do it in the water. The one thing I would suggest is for sure wetting that bump board before you uh, lay a fish on it. It's just uh, it's going to help that fish's skin and and the slime that it's actually got on it. So wetting that board is going to definitely help as well. Yeah, I won't disagree. I, th- I would think that all of us can probably agree on that. Donnie, I'm guessing you do that too. Well, you know, as well, uh, dunk the board before you put it on there, regardless of whether you lay the board in the water or if you have it in your boat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Except uh, you got to be careful in November because it will turn to ice and that water and on the board already starting to freeze with the fish. Sometimes that gets messy. So Yeah, I can imagine. Other than that, if it's if it's above zero, you should be fine. <laughs> he said above zero, Brad. I don't. He's definitely more diehard than me. If it's zero degrees, I'm not. I'm not fishing. Well, that's one thing about Tony. Um, he is hardcore. That's one of the reasons why I love him. He's 24. I used to do stuff like that when I was 24 too. I used to get older. I don't know. You either get wiser or you get wimpier. One of the two. I'm not sure what it is yet. 25. Come on now. Almost 26. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I cheated. I cheated him in a couple of years. Either way, he's still like he's still old enough, or he could probably be my kid, and I wouldn't have had to be in high school in order to have him. I think one of the best comments uh, earlier this year with with Donnie in the boat. Um, I don't remember why, but I think I think we we're filming uh, Brian Schaefer's uh, pro staff profile that'll come out this winter. I'm like. Uh, Guys, I think we we need to head in because Brian was going to leave early the next morning, and I still had to film his interview process and what have you. And Donnie didn't realize all this, you know. He he thought that he was going to sleep in and cruise home whenever. And um, anyway, Donnie goes, "Yeah, yeah, I suppose we could go in." He goes, "I'm only half used up." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I I thought about that about. 15 times this year already in the last month i'm just like yep i'm twice your age um you're right you're only half used up take advantage of it when you can i won't be there forever that's agreed the next part you know i i think that we should clarify i think donnie kind of did a good job of that but you know keeping the clutter away from the net i honestly i got a new computer today and i was going through some footage and i i pulled out an old hard drive and it was so funny I was watching some stuff that I edited probably 10 years ago, and I, I never shared it with anybody. And I was fishing with Herbie and Rob Manti up on Eagle, Eagle Lake, and I went to grab the net for Rob because Rob's got a nice fish on, and I, I, I remembered exactly what took place after I watched the footage. When I go to net the fish, I bet you there's five baits hooked into the bag. <laughs> and I'm, I gave up. I'm like, okay. There's nothing I can do that's more important to put the fish in the bag. So there was five baits hanging on this bag as I dipped to get the fish. So, you know, keeping clutter away from the bag can definitely make the differences. It's something that we got to consider. The other part to this is no overreaching. And I really think uh, I'll kind of let Donnie talk about that too. But, you know, when you start stretching yourself out to try to get the fish in the bag, a lot of times you fail. Yeah, I think that's when uh, a lot of people rim rim the fish on the outside of the bag. They they think they can get it. It's right there, whether the the person stops reeling or the fish stops or or whatever happens. And 
and the net falls short and then that fish comes into the bag after after the scoop and then it's uh then it's a mess you gotta try to get the bag back through the hoop and flip the fish back in backwards if you will i think we've all been there though brad haven't we with the botched net job trying to get something too quick because you think it's whatever for whatever reason you got to get it in the net and you screw something up i think that happens to all of us at some point yeah absolutely i mean i i'll never forget we were filming over in Wisconsin with Billy Beekner and, and a good friend of mine, Paul Schultz, was bringing in a really nice Wisconsin fish. It was over 50 inches, and we he had it up to the boat. We were trolling, and the next thing you know, I tried to go after it, and the fish kind of started making its dive, and it hung up on the bag. The hooks got into the bag, and the next thing you know, that fish was swimming free. So it happens to all of us. There's no question about it. Just need to stay positive, keep your chin up and go after the next one. But it happened two years ago. Matt Seifert was netting a fish for my daughter that was over 50 and hung it in the bag. Why? Because he overreached and he knows it. It it happens to all of us. We think we're going to get it and it doesn't always happen. So definitely be conscious. And again, I think uh, some of the responsibility is on the fisherman itself too. the guy that's fighting the fish. You know, if the two of you are communicating, like Donnie said, that's a big component to this whole success. You know, like with Mika, my daughter, she's not as strong or not as aware of what to do at that moment. And uh, it cost us a big, giant fish. So it happens to everybody. I guess one other point that I would like to ask Donnie about is trolling fish versus casting fish. Is there any real differences in netting those fish, Donnie? Generally, I guess I would say trolling fish is harder, uh, just with the movement of the boat. Generally, when I'm trolling, my boat's in gear, uh, rod goes off, that boat is left in gear, uh, going about two and a half miles an hour until the either the fish is getting close to the boat or the planer board is off the rod. That's the biggest thing is to get the planer board to the rod as soon as possible, not to let it get slack line if the board dives or you know all the bad stuff that can happen with a with a board on your line with a muskie on it but with trolling then once that board's off i kick the boat neutral um all other baits they're you know for the most part out of the way or cleared by then and you know they're they're the boat's still probably going to be moving uh, i'd say one one and a half miles an hour forward just from centrifugal force and one thing with trolling like that then you're netting the fish at the back of the boat when you if you have if you put the net in the water too soon the bag will go back to the fish before you know before you can scoop it you're if if that makes sense so i guess more importantly with trolling than even casting is not to you know put the bag in the water until you're absolutely ready to net that fish and you're you know moving forward faster moving moving towards the fish with the net faster than the boats moving forward so that i guess would be the only difference between casting and trolling yeah it gets to be tricky i know big dave i had him here last year he's been on the podcast a few times but uh we were doing the open water trolling thing and i'm like dave you you go ahead and up that fish and he's like i don't know what you want me to do, Brad. The bag just kind of took off on its own. 
And I'm like, well, you're going to have to hold that bag for a little bit longer until that fish gets to it, you know? So you're exactly right, Donnie. I think that's a giant point. If you, the boat is still moving forward or moving sideways or whatever it might be, you have to be aware of that. And that bag has to have control until you're ready to actually scoop that fish. Yep. And like, uh, like Brad mentioned there, holding the bag for trolling, I guess that's one thing that, you know, it almost makes sense if, for me, generally when I'm holding onto the net, I have the net pointed up in the air. So the bag bags, you know, the bottom of the bag is at my shoulders. So it's, it's not going to get hung up on anything. And then when I go to net that fish, just the, you know, the movement of the hoop going towards the fish, whether it's in the air or in the water, the bag is behind it, open, ready to go. So if you're you know, just standing in the back of the boat and get, waiting for a trolling fish to get up close enough to net it, that's where you could you know, hold on to the bag with one hand and then drop the bag and scoop the fish to keep that bag from floating towards the fish before you're able to scoop it. Yeah, and uh, one more thing we talked about, you know, using utilizing the net basically as a live well after you have that fish in the bag and the bag's open and it's sitting there um one thing that can be a problem with this is when we're in the heat of the summer and surface temps are creeping up around that 78 80 degree mark that is you know surface temperature so that dangerous temperature of the water is in the top two feet of the water so where you know we talk about that net being a live well that's you know it's almost like you're holding a fish in a in a sauna there so it's, you know, maybe not actually recuperating and that's where, you know, it's just always, always best to get the hooks out as soon as possible. And, you know, if it's hot, if you don't have to bump the fish, don't bump it. If you want to do it fast, do it quick, not a big deal. Get that fish back in the water. I think the one thing that we can agree on, you know, regardless of water temperature is whatever you do, you want to try to do it all quick and as fast as you can, regardless of the temperature. Obviously the warmer the temperature, the more important it is, but fast and quick i mean it can't be overstated i guess speed is essential hands down yeah yeah no question i mean there's a a big fish in the fall everyone likes to say well it's fall the water's cold they're gonna take off no matter what and that's just i mean 100 percent not true if if you have a fish that's in the bag for five minutes in the fall it's gonna release poorly compared to a bag that or compared to a fish that was in the bag for you know, a minute to two minutes, no question. Um, and the only difference is in the summer, you know, maybe that fish is guaranteed to be dead where no question you could kill that fish in the fall, having it in the bag for 10 minutes, but it's maybe not a hundred percent going to be dead. Well, that's uh, we'll call that netting 101 this week. I don't know. It might be a little bit dry for some guys. They're hoping to get some information on how to put fish in the net for August. And we're certainly going to get around to that yet too, or, we're working on a few things, lining up a few guests, and you know, it's never an issue of, you know, like getting the guests. We don't have any issues with that. It's always a matter of me and Brad getting on the same page during this time of year to, um, you know, make it quick enough or early enough where we can actually get a guest and still get everything recorded and edited and out on time. So we want to thank everybody for, you know, tuning in with us this week. Hopefully somebody picked up a few things. I want to thank Donnie for taking some time out. I want to thank Donnie also for getting off the water early so we could have a guest this week. And I just want to thank everybody again for listening. Thanks everybody for the support of 
both Team Rhino Outdoors and Muskie Mayhem Tackle this season. It's been tremendous. It's half the reason why our podcasts have been a little bit shorter because time's been a little short, and and we can't thank everybody enough. And uh, hopefully everybody's having a great season, and if not, there's still plenty of time yet to turn it around. So keep your chin up and keep casting. And thanks again for listening. Catch everybody again next week. <laughs>